Beardy and the Beast Media Club. This is placeholder intro song. Hello and welcome to Beardy and the Beast Media Club, a discussion of media where we fully embrace spoilers. Though we may need four arms and hands to hold on to them all. We're available here and are likely available on any other services you prefer with a full list available at beardyandthebeast.com. As always, if you enjoy what we do, leave a like, give us a follow, but really, just give us a share with your friends. My name is Drew, and with us, as always, is our fellow band member, Devin. Yo! Today we'll be discussing the 2020 Ghibli piece, Earwig and the Witch. So, Devin. Yep. We've discussed in the past how our podcast tends to have a similar flow or development that kind of mirrors the the pieces that we watch. Uh, yep. Given that, I would say three out of 12 witches, and this has been the Beardy and the Beast Media Club. Join us next week where we discuss Silent Hill Revelations. <laughs> Revelations. <laughs> uh... Well, so I don't want to lead you too much. I would give it nine out of twelve witches, but that would be a lie. Like the rest of this bloody film, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do have. Uh, I would like to talk about positives first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm going to lead in on this one. All right. Uh, I really like the animation. The the movements of the bodies and the characters was very smooth. Like okay. the flow of the characters, it didn't come off as lazy. There was a bit that I could have desired more in the facial expressions. However, like even then, the way, the way that the characters' arms, legs, and whatnot move seem on the upper end of 3D animated films. Uh, I did see a review that kind of said that the characters were a little bit basic, whereas the backgrounds were really detailed and Ghibli-like, which I would probably agree. I would agree with that. Uh, I actually saw something that they that moved it to computer animated because it was easier to do all those details in the backgrounds and such. Mm. Um, I disagree with you oh so um well there's some movements and such that i agree were really good like i'm thinking of um of earwig like she goes to hide and like does just this kind of like weird shuffle behind and hides behind her bed i thought that was absolutely adorable mm -hmm. um this it felt stiff to me. Think so? Yeah, I do. Um, so the animation in this here felt more to me Toy Story like, as opposed to Tangled. Mm. So, and it was something that like just caught me right off the bat is like the hair, for example. It was stat. It was stiff. It felt like plastic like you, there was no movement in in characters hair when they were turning or moving around or, i could agree with that i so 
yeah, that that's kind of the things that I was seeing, and it it pulled me out. It like felt, yeah, it's as I said, like Toy Story compared to Tangled. Um, I think Disney has actually, outside of Pixar, when they started doing their own computer animated ones, they did very well at capturing the style of their animation. When I look at Tangled, when I look at Frozen, it very much fits the style of like The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. It it looks like that. I did not feel like these characters felt like Ghibli characters to me. I didn't even I didn't even think about it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like it's definitely a valid point, but mm-hmm. I just thought, hey. New medium, new character looks. Yeah, and that that's fair. Um, I, I think again, the the bigger thing was just the the stiffness. It felt like again, the hair was the big thing that got me. It's like you, you have the witches with like this big bouncy hair mm-hmm. that stayed static, even when she's like riding a motorcycle. There, there was only one part of the movement that bugged me, and that's when Earwig was kind of sneaking around. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was specifically one step before she went to grab the doorknob, I think it was. And it, like, it was just unrealistic. All her weight would have been on the front foot, which was elevated and forward. Yeah. So she should have been, had a forward momentum. Um, but that, yeah. that wasn't the case. She was kind of like hovering in more of a like super like comical cartoony sense yeah which then like i i quickly quickly dismissed yeah yeah and i do think there was character in the animation Uh, again i think it just threw me off because i expect a little bit better in computer animation nowadays but yeah you're right going it's like yeah this is really the first feature film they've done computer animated because apparently they have a series that's computer animated or something but i didn't know about that so mm. the uh i did throughout this entire film up until the credits actually have like a smile on my face mm. like there's this there's this like warm-hearted kind of entertained feeling like genuinely a kind of like childlike enjoyment i was experiencing yeah i i'd agree with that too i think it was i wasn't i was entertained throughout the movie (laughs) i i i i I enjoyed i enjoyed it i i enjoyed the interactions between um earwig and bella like i actually liked the characterization there um I thought uh, Irwig actually came across as kind of industrious, clever child. A little bit of a brat, but I think that characterization was there. Uh, Bella and Mandrake, I thought, were characterized very well as kind of those strict foster parents, in a way. So I, I... that's other parts of the film that I, I really did enjoy. I did like uh, kind of one of like the hallmarks of the Ghibli films 
is each character has like a unique personality and identity. Yeah. And that's something that you did see here. So it wasn't like Bella and Mandrake were like the same by any means. Yeah. Uh, they definitely were unique in their own ways. So I kind of earwig and her personality kind of sums up my one of my major issues with the film and it's really just this this little girl who's learned to manipulate all the people around her and there is never a negative consequence to this to the point where she manipulates a dragon or a demon so that a witch will be nice to her and give her what her what she wants and now <laughs> she's got the princess bed and story over i'm like i guess it's it's time for me to get into the negative aspects of this film <laughs> so i okay so the, the the manipulation that was there i don't know if I think there's a lot of ambiguity around that. I didn't like it. Like, I'm with you. I did not like that that's what was done. But I think there's some potential ambiguity there, which might have been answered if we actually got a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, one, is she manipulative because she's a witch? Like, is this a magic ability? Or is this just her being a bratty child who gets what she wants uh, is mandrake related to her mm. because that's a half witch half demon at, right because i mean that's definitely hinted at um right like these little tiny things might make it make a little bit more sense because then she just becomes a daddy's girl and <laughs> and things start changing and I mean, if it, if any of that had been discussed at any point. So here, I I just saw it as um, plain manipulation because her, her monologues just straight up saying, like, um, yeah, I'll go after the Mandrake so that I can get what I want and he'll make yeah. Bella do what I want. Like, it... it stopped feeling like industrious and clever about a third of the way through the film and for me it started feeling a whole lot more not even spoiled i wouldn't even call her spoiled yeah um it's very manipulative and i it it made me not connect with the character but i guess oh, I, I think I'll, I... i'm just gonna do a quick like potential theoretical sum um sum up of our problems with this film as i what i think it revolves around the fact that there's no like progression forward there's no real res resolution of anything um all the interesting plot points none of them were realized yeah so if, i mean if we if we even break it down from the start she, she's fleeing something. She's on her motorcycle. She delivers this uh, baby to this orphanage. 
so that the twelve witches uh, can't have her. Yeah. What twelve witches? But that's not your week's story. <laughs> no, but like, like that, that's what it felt like to me. <laughs> this is this is the major failing of a lot of these Ghibli films, where they throw in a random plot aspect like this that has no bearing on the film. It's like, oh, the scarecrow was the prince the whole time. It's like, what? I mean, I like that you. I like that you keep using howls, because the original source material this is based off of was written by the same authors. The howls source material. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And no, I, I got I got a few things to say about Hal's too. I this know isn't, you do. <laughs> this isn't the place for it. Uh, no, it's just. Well, let, let's take that plot point for a second. So you're right. Okay, so we don't have. So we have no idea what these twelve witches are. Um, I mean, it they... was clear when they were when she was getting adopted in the orphanage that you know Bella and Mandrake were, you know which is a cult based. So I'm like, so in my mind I'm going, okay, so are these one of, are these the people that she was trying to hide her from? Yeah. Huh? How coincidental. Um, and that gets layered on, on top because when Earwig is scrambling through the house, uh, that like that first night we see, you know, the yellow car. So yeah, let's, let's stop right there. That entire section was the best part of the movie. Yep. <laughs> that that was a first third. That was like okay, we have some looming conflict. Yep. Um we have mystery. Mhm. We know we know that some interesting things are happening. It's like, oh, she's in the hands of these people that she was supposed to be hidden from. And then this second third just slice of life in a Witch's house? Like, I, I could even, like, I think if the, the second third, or the, the Is it latter two-thirds of the film mm -hmm. were, you know, half the, half the length, because they really didn't need to be as long as they were. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had something happen, you know, after her mom shows up in the last shot of the film it's like it's just here's the story i want <laughs> it's like and is, is the mom gonna freak out that earwig's there uh what's gonna happen with this little kid that's or uh of uh ah jeez custard custard what's gonna happen with custard he's afraid of uh mandrake Apparently they've interacted before because Custard is already afraid of Mandrake. The This brings me to my my second glaring issue with this film. The character relationships, none of them are realized. None. So what I would like the closest thing you have is Mandrake and Earwig. Because it's, it's clear that Mandrake's got his own like demon attitude problems, but he's concerned or caring caring for Earwig as he should as an adoptive parent, or a foster parent. I love. I really loved how the, those two were. I want to actually. Um... They they definitely needed to explore that more. Um, 
the fact that they even mentioned that Custard was afraid to come to the house because Mandrake was there. Yeah. I'm like, what's the best way to say it? It's throwaway. Didn't need yeah. to be in the film at all. Yeah. Neither neither did Custard bring a present at the end. So I think for the the, the present at the end, oh, oh, wasn't it like if I felt like it was Christmas. Yeah, but before we before we move on, the the cat and mouse between Bella and Earwig, mm. and that like them through conflict, growing fond of each other, or even competitive in some way, yeah, would have been great for this film. In the direction it decided to go, yeah, opposed to the place it just stood there in a field, not even looking at the ocean in front of it, just looking at like a pile of rocks that have no purpose yeah like this i i i think we're kind of jumping a little bit i wanted to finish up with the mandrake um mandrake earwig relationship um i do think that like i was to say they portrayed that fatherliness aspect i think very well even when it came to you know everyone's like oh no don't annoy him and she does but yeah, he gets annoyed. Let's go through. Gets her a shepherd's pie, mm-hmm. like that type of thing. Um, so that's why I, I I almost feel that I don't think she was. I don't think there was as much manipulation of Mandrake as she likes to think there was. I think that was always there. Um, but the intent matters. Yeah. Um. I mean, I agree from his point of view, from Mandrake's yeah. point of view. Um. He is clear that he's allowing himself to be. Yeah. Um. But from Earwig's point of view, it's not to grow closer to the Mandrake. Yeah. It's to gain things that she desires, not even yeah. needs. Um. It would be another thing if she was doing it for a need such as like uh, affection, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But again, that's that's pretty much the only realized relationship there. Her and the house mother from the orphanage. Yeah. Um, I think we, she was literally just matron, wasn't she? Yeah, matron. Yeah. Um, that would be the second most. Mm-hmm. And she's got, what, like a, ten lines, maybe? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that's more than Magic, but Magic's character doesn't speak. So that's not really a, a valid... Yeah. I'm just... I was fond of the Earwig Mandrake relationship. Mostly because of the Mandrake. Mm. Just coming him like looming angry eyes and he's like Here's some cookies or whatever. Yeah. I think I, I want it to be fond of Della and Earwig's relationship as well. Mm-hmm. But I I was hoping that I was like, oh yeah, with like you know the agreement to teach magic as well as yeah, you know yeah. if you're helping. So what I was really thought was going to happen was like a Mister Miyagi type. Yeah, wax on, wax off moment. Yeah, it's like yep, yeah, you're just yep, yeah, that's all you're doing. You're just grabbing these sizzles. That's it. But I, I was really hoping for something there, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was a missed opportunity, and I think it would have. 
it would have helped my impressions of the film a bit more. Um, it, just, it, it wouldn't help the story. And like it was set up, but it wasn't realized. Yeah, yeah. That's why I say, like, just unrealized relationships, like, uh, I mean, you don't really need more details of Eurigan Custards. They kind of just established that from the get-go. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, from the first scene, you know what they're, it was portrayed well in that way. It's just like, you know exactly how these two characters are interacting, what their relationship is. Yeah. Um, uh, I was kind of hoping that the whole him not coming over because he was scared of Mandrake was a like getting in search for a conflict. I was hoping that was almost a lie. They were just told that, but in reality, they hadn't tried to have her have him reach out. Before I forget, yep. Did you at any point think that Thomas was Custard's dad? I don't know if I thought dad. I thought there was no, I thought I actually thought Thomas was custard. Okay. I mean, that's close enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that, that, that's what I thought. And I'm like, Oh, this is why he's not actually coming over. <laughs> so a little history about custard. <laughs> I, I want to point out one thing about custard mm. and go into the history. Earwig is a stupid name, but custard isn't. I mean, I agree. All right. <laughs> just like I picked apples, like earwigs hang, hang out around the stems. So yeah. like when you pick an apple, you kind of twist and go up and dump out the earwigs. Twist and dump, oh, okay. twist and dump. It's, <laughs> um, so Cust- Custard's, Custard's family died in a fire. Mm-hmm. So what I was thinking, what was leading up to, we mostly because the unimportance or the lack of importance of the character of Thomas. Mm-hmm. Again, didn't need to be there. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe, because we're still at that point, considering like, oh, are these evil evil witches or whatnot? Um, I was like, did they turn... Was that them, and did they turn Custard's dad into a cat? Yeah, no, I could... I could definitely see that because of the personality seems she kept mixing them up and they were the same. So I thought they were going to go that route. Yeah. I, I think I read that a little differently. I think I read that as, you know, a six year old girl longing for a friend and she's talking to a cat. So she can call the cat whatever she wants until the cat starts talking back to her. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, you're right. You're right. Yeah. That, that That's how I read that. But I, I did enter my mind. like, Especially when we're like, oh yeah, no, he won't come over because of Mandrake. I'm like, it's the cat. Is that the cat? <laughs> yeah, that, that's where I went on that one. So it's just... Think... Oh, go ahead. Oh, just so much throwaway in the film. Yeah. Like, because they didn't realize relationships and there is no uh, attempts of consequences or additional conflicts. Like... We don't know the interaction between the Mandrake and Custard and why that's important. So at that point, there's no point to say that line. Mm-hmm. And because there was nothing after the door opened, there was no point for the kid to even be there with the Christmas gift. It could have just been a knock at the door and there's this lady that Airwig has never seen. It just seemed like there was a lot of litter on this film that you would not expect to see in the majority of Ghibli films. 
yeah a lot of them visually might have things that are extra mm -hmm. maybe unrequired movements and that sort of thing but the actual spoken dialogue is always well thought through yeah and important so this isn't this is an interesting thing like this is obviously big what ifs so um Hayao Miyazaki wasn't the one who did this. Of course. His son. Right? But Hayao Miyazaki was originally going to do it. And I think the studio convinced him to, to pass it off to his son so he could work on something else. I wonder how this film would have changed in Miyazaki's senior's hands. I mm. wonder if that... Like, just, just as a thought thing... Like, I'm not sure how many I've seen of Garo Miyazaki's films. I don't think I've actually seen the ones he's directed. Or Sir Garo. I mean, that being say, said, Hayao Miyazaki um, did direct and do the screenplay from Owls. <laughs> uh, but in, yeah. this, in this case, it looks like issue. it was done by... Uh, Ikoniwa and Emmy Gunji. I'm pretty sure I just obliterated that that name. <laughs> so did you feel as lied? Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, you were about to say. Do you feel as lied to as I did? I was in fact about to say that. Yeah, that's exactly what you're going to say, and yeah. I was going to say something along the same lines. Yes. <laughs> this this film was in in no way the way it was presented from the lead up like if we if we were to compare this to uh, princess kaguya mm -hmm. the whole like moonlight procession coming down out of nowhere and being like oh she's actually from the moon and this isn't just some spirity thing like that was more on the point than what this film did because there was lead up to it. It was like, okay, there's these 12... I'm just going to super fast recap it. Yeah. So that first thir third, you have the re... The mother's being chased to the orphanage. 12, 12 witches are in pursuit. Um, she leaves successfully. Then you have this kid gets picked up by these two, what we assume is witches. Even before that there's other parts that lied to us really here we dropped off with a tape and mm. we get the opening credit scenes that reminded me of something like k-on okay and then we go back to the recap as you're going through thank you um and then setting up like it's like oh the conflict is do the witches know that uh this this is you know the the child of this this red-headed motorcycle vixen uh, ooh, ooh. Um, do they do they not know and is this going to be like a conflict point in the future like what's going on with these witches like obviously they're evil because they're chasing the what we assume is the, the good person and then we get dumped into slice of life you're kind of like oh it's building up it's building up and it's like wait a minute you find the car Oh, that was the car that was chasing. You're like, okay, things are coming together. Things are feeling good. I'm getting tense. There's drama. And 
then nothing. Yep. And then it's like, oh, oh no, there's this band, and they were all in the band, and they were chasing her for some reason. We don't know. We don't know. Actually, know why? We can make assumptions as to why. And then the mother comes back. Yeah, that's the film. Yeah, I, and we I, get these little interspersed scenes, like flashbacks to the mother and the band, and you see this witch that we're assuming is evil because of the car and, you know, just the the demeanor that I could see people going oh that's evil i'm like yeah strict maybe <laughs> maybe well, a little a little too far in, in a few places but for for the most part yeah um, the personalities and, weren't evil i i would get yeah like i could tell yeah. with mandrake from the beginning yeah aloof maybe yeah but so we get these cuts to to them so which immediately raises the questions of did you know you were adopting your daughter slash niece slash something related to you when you're doing this if so why weren't you there like six or seven years ago <laughs> and okay is mandrake the father like you're hinting at these things and you're just you're giving us nothing it and again, that opening scene, I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. I kind of like this idea of the music, and I could see magic coming from music. That seems like a Ghibli-type story. The music has nothing to do with the film, but they played it so heavily in the, like... Pause the point. It, you know, the music was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Like, as a gem. The music was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was sorry. bopping. Oh, yeah. Very good. But... The music was good, but in relation to the story... It was, it it didn't, it had no consequence. It, exactly, it was just something that was there, and when you lead up like with those opening credits, I'm like, oh, this is cool. So like, I could see you know music and magic. Like again, this seems That'd like really a Ghibli cool. thing. Yeah, yeah, and the the closest we get is Bella finally going like loosening up a little bit and playing the drums with some wooden spoons at the end. <laughs> So this, yeah, we see Mandrake playing on an organ for a little bit. Like, so this is this is what really bugs me about this film. It's it's like an emotional betrayal. Okay. Yeah. Each each of the individual scenes, as they were, the attitudes, the way it was portrayed, I enjoyed. Yes. It was how they were connected. That was just out the window. This, it's almost it's almost like the fever dream of a, a ch child's bedtime story. So just saying like random plot points, and then someone went, "Oh, I have to take this group of things and string it together somehow." Yeah. This is. I'm really wondering if. This had the same kind of treatment as the Little Hours did. Mm. Seven pages into a feature film. And I completely agree with you. Uh, to the point that last night I was trying to Google search and see if I could find anything about the book. But everything just points to the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just... I wonder about that. And then, just in my head just now... 
I know what makes this movie better. Mm. Let's give this the little hours treatment. Wasn't about the nuns. Yep. This movie is actually about Mandrake. Ooh. Okay. Yep. So this this drama. Yep. His lo- his love is lost. It's gone to the winds. He needs something to fill his heart. So he goes to the orphanage and he adopts a child who may or may not be related to him. Ooh, mystery. Um, definitely cares for this child and he sees that uh, the other person in the household is being overly strict, so they have some words. Yeah. And then drama at the end where his long-lost love comes back. Oh, I like this. It is the most complicated storyline in this entire film. <laughs> yep, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just Yeah, no, I, I I like this. That this that makes so much more sense to me. Your wig and the witch, or as I like to call it, Mandrake and Pals. <laughs> Did that it did seem kind of out of nowhere just to kind of bring up we mentioned that the mandrake maybe the mom uh may or may not have a name i don't think they said it in the film not to my knowledge um when they were riding in that car and then she was like leaning back to kiss and then like the car jostled and they stopped that like it was out of nowhere but it was in that positive sense yeah because it again like each individual scene was great yeah i really liked yeah. it's just yeah, the... i like i liked the jostle i thought i thought that was nice and playful and again the individual scenes themselves were good <laughs> right like my i guess the problem is like you could come into this and just carve out big chunks of it and have the movie fundamentally fundamentally be the same yeah you you know what it almost felt like to me mm. it felt like i think i would have been better with this if it was like a pilot for a tv series yeah like that's what it felt like to me it felt like a okay yeah we're getting getting the character we're we're learning a little bit, you know, episode two or three, the mother comes back and now we start getting, start getting more story or the conflict or what's happening with the other 12 witches or, or this is going to sound weird, but bear with me because we know, we understand how the way that, um, Japanese animated series can kind of progress. This first uh this movie as the first season mm-hmm. um like one of them short runs that are 12 episodes yeah and then at the end of the first season you have the mom show up and then you can explore these relationships yeah um maybe show some consequences to earwig being a little jerk <laughs> yeah. I, i'm really irritated that that spell just worked for like the the one where oh for, to uh, get get out of the worms or whatever yeah <laughs> like the cat's like eh, no i was just swearing i have no idea what was said yeah it means that there's no <laughs> again no consequence to like even choosing the right words yeah 
when you're doing an incantation. Yeah. Um, I mean, if they explore the relationship between the potential parents, like maybe yeah. a little demon craft, a little witchcraft, mix those together. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, it was... Oh, bad. Wait, are... So I guess Bella and Mandrake are siblings? Maybe? Are they? I... I don't know. I mean, they have a similar hair consistency, and... I guess they all kind of do. Is that a witch thing? Just weird hair? Yeah, I... <laughs> I mean, it entered my mind. It's like maybe it's the patron or something like that. You know, switches mm. can get their powers from a demon or something like that. Uh, so that entered my head as a possibility. It's it's, it's almost like there was multiple random storylines that were just crammed into one film. Yeah, like I would love to see. If this, if this was the story of the band, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like rockish band, um, playing small clubs, sticking it to the man, you know, the twelve witches, um, being kind of rebellious, like that'd be super cool. Mm -hmm. I'd watch that series. If this was, uh, like a slice of life, uh, witchcraft, you know, little adorable demon things. Um, I mean, I probably wouldn't, it wouldn't be my cup of tea, but I could see there being a large audience for that. Yeah. Um, or even like, like an adventure, like yeah. a little girl, like, you know, Earwig Potter and the, yeah. the poorly made mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> Earwig Potter and the poorly made mixtape. <laughs> yeah, I, wish we, I, could, um, I wish we could use that as the the title for this film but it doesn't <laughs> encompass what this film was yeah which was a bunch of random ingredients including frogs legs and brushed up cat skulls in a pot yeah. just mixed up and you know what i also wanted to see Hmm. Uh, this is not like me. Anyone, anyone who's listened to this up until now, I, I haven't gone this hard on a film as of yet. I've not pulled a Devon. <laughs> uh, so when a spell was realized, she would smell it and she would say, "Oh, you know, it smells like roses." Yeah. What is that an indication of? What bearing does that have on the story? Is that how you know that the spell was successful? Or is that she can smell it that way because she's a witch? It's just... Yeah. Yeah, have something there. So much there, but nothing explored. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it's... It's a shame. It's like... I want it to like this movie. There's there's a lot there, but it's just like I think this is definitely like this one here definitely felt like a kids film. I wouldn't even say it, that. 
Yeah. I'll tell you what this felt like. This felt like a yeah, a seven page um like teaching your kid to read story. Yeah. And could be easily made into one. Mm-hmm. Just a fl- a flip picture book. Yeah. That was made into a movie like even even kids films follow some type of formula. Yeah. There's an inciting inf- incident, there's conflict, there's there's something. Yeah, it's Well, that's that's the big I... lie you were talking about. Yeah. Stolen compassed. Yeah, it's it's a shame like I wanted to like it, but yeah, I just felt so lied to throughout and uh and honestly the big reason why like I give it such a low score. There was a lot to love there, but yes, yeah, so much of it just felt because it, it's a betrayal. Well, my, it, it, well, the problem with the betrayal is it wasn't even subversive. I don't even think it was intentional. No. Like, it's not a case of red herrings. It's not a case of diverting your attention so that you're not looking in a place you should have been looking. Yeah. It's simply a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of objects in a basket. It's just... I mean, I, I jokingly I jokingly gave it a 3 out of 12, which is earlier for the bit. Uh, what would I give it? That is actually a thinker. Um, five. Five, of 12, uh, 5 out of 12 witches. Yeah, yeah I, I'm thinking... Yeah, it's kind of at about that 4 or 5 out of, out of 12 witches, too. It's... Of all the stuff that's there that worked that you know kept a bit that ghibli charm with the scene with like the way the characters interacted with the individual scenes oozing oozing with it yeah there there were it had miyazaki's charm without miyazaki's structure <laughs> mm. like just stuff tying it together and it made it feel like a like a pale imitation and yeah, I think that that's really what what hurts it. My problem here is like we've discussed this many times before. It's when a movie has a lot of problems like this, making the smallest change, mm-hmm. for in, to make it better, to, for, to have it make sense. For instance, um, you and I we came to an agreement when we were discussing nobody having the. Uh, one of the home invaders be related to the the Russians in some way, and that would have made the story make a whole. Um, yeah. In this case, there's nothing of that nature. You almost have to just split this into two completely unrelated stories. Yeah, I yeah I can't think of a single small change that that would make it connect. A- a- anything I can come up with would be a major change well the thing for me and that's that betrayal that you've mentioned a couple times and that i mentioned like i was smiling throughout this because it it had that miyazaki charm all the way to the end the problem is because it was oozing with it i didn't notice time was moving yeah so this film actually went by very quickly for me but then the credits started rolling and i went excuse me what that that's exactly what that's exactly it (laughs) 
I'm like, oh, cool. We're getting into the story now. Like, we're getting into the, the next part. And that there may be a lot of <laughs> capital letters, swear words written down <laughs> in my book. The, um... <laughs> well, the, the thing is, like, you, you've taught me about these films, um, like Japanese storytelling and how they're kind of back-ended loaded. Yeah. So I, I've learned to give them a lot of grace in that matter from my um, crayon-eating north american story watching brain uh so that's i fully expected yeah i'm like oh it's gonna come in at the end there's gonna be some conflict there's gonna be some resolution like even the best thing that they could have done for this film besides make it into like a season of a show so they can actually explore these would be to have that dinner at the end and be like uh even if they just said it like off screen um resolution to the twelve witches thing. Yeah. Oh, you know, I served for five years with the the witches to pay off my debts. Yeah. Um and sorry for running from you and leaving you in this. Yeah. Like it's the only thing you can can do, and even then, it would have been a shoddy ending. Yeah. So I mean, everything about this screams, "You should love me," except for all the bridges between it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of no my my analogy doesn't make sense. Honestly, I I don't I don't I don't really think that we we can express into it any further um like we definitely yeah without just going back and reiterating or elaborating on existing points um yeah i can't think of anything else um, yeah all of my notes are basically just us re re re-elaborating what we've done i think Okay. Uh, well, I mean, much like this film, we we haven't discovered anything new. Um, <laughs> overall, I wouldn't watch it, the movie again. I probably wouldn't recommend it to anyone. But I didn't. I don't want my time back. I didn't want to move. It's like the scenes itself were attractive enough in that, like either adorable or compelling way. With that, this has been Beardy and the Beast Media Club. Join us next time for Spooktoberfest. Each week, we'll be releasing a Media Club episode discussing a film that frightened us as children. Tune in as a couple have very special guests. The first is a film chosen by Devin, The Secret of Nim. As always, if you enjoy what we do, rate us well and follow us or even join in the discussion at our Discord. All our socials and services can be found at beardyandthebeast.com.